0: Is it okay if this side is out?
1: See everybody else this morning, beautiful morning. Shall we open in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we can be together. We thank you for a beautiful day. We thank you for the rain that has come the last few weeks. We thank you for all these natural things that make this natural life complete. And we thank you for that. Desire that we know comes from Thee, that we would gather like we do. We thank Thee for this. Even, even this nation that that allows this. This doesn't happen everywhere. That we can freely gather, freely worship, freely believe, believe in the in the power of Thy Holy Spirit. That spirit that Jesus promises will be with us if we gather, and when we gather, even though we may be small in numbers, we thank you for that presence of the Holy Spirit. Be with us, and guide us, and keep us. Be with those that may be mourning this morning, the loss of a loved one, watch over us. Watch over our nation. Watch over all those that are in elected positions. All those that are community leaders, school leaders, whatever it may be. Watch over our homes and and those that lead our homes. That faith would still be number one in our lives. And as we travel through this life that david calls the valley of the shadow of death that we could be like him that he says he fears no evil knowing that the guiding and leading of thee our heavenly father comes down through his son jesus christ and through that holy spirit that dwells within us be with our speaking brother this morning Open this word to him. Open, open this word to each of us as we gather and listen to this spoken word. That it would work in our hearts, work that work of salvation, the believing and the forgiveness that comes through this word. Give us strength to carry on. It seems these are trying times. Give us strength. Hear us now as we pray together that most perfect prayer thy son Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Someone have a song to continue with? 341. 341? Yes. Okay.
2: May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I will turn to a portion of Scripture that I'm sure we're all familiar with. It's, um, I say, intimidating sometimes to take portions of scripture that are so well known it seems like what else could be brought out and I guess I so often I do (coughs) covet your prayers that the spirit could not necessarily bring out anything new because this word is unchanging but we also know that There's great depth there, and I also know for myself, and I'm sure we're all the same, we need to be reminded of the same thing again and again. We are very forgetful, we get distracted. We need to be reminded of what Christ has done for us, reminded to turn to Him in faith as we walk here, In this world, be reminded that the things of this life are, at best, very temporary. And what is most important are those matters that deal with faith, those matters that deal with the undying soul, those matters of salvation. I will turn to... The fourth chapter of Matthew, I will read beginning at the first verse, and I'll read through the eleventh reading in Jesus' name. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterwards and hungered. And And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, Thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands thou shalt bear. They shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. Word is written thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve then the devil leaveth him and behold angels came and ministered unto him amen we speak of this as Jesus's temptation in the wilderness and I've heard people say and I believe it's so that in reality, if we look at these three things, we can basically lump the sum of the temptations of mankind into them. It is just human nature, and the devil maybe uses different, different questions, different things, but it all boils down to being contrary or not obedient to the word of God. And I believe that when we look at this, it gives us understanding or gives us an insight into how important it is that we would know the Word of God. And when we have a question, that we would turn to that Word for the answer, turn to it for guidance, for leading, for correction. I know I've mentioned this before, and yet... I will mention again because it I guess it—it it is so telling to me and I find it, I guess, almost intriguing. We know we have this Bible all the way from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelations. I should probably know how many different books there are in it, but I don't. But there is quite a number and we re- realize that it is written over A long period of time by many different writers, and yet we have to recognize, if we look into it, that there is one author, and that is God. It is his word, and we recognize that that word is Christ. We see that this word points to Christ and what he has done for us. And yet in this temptation here, these temptations that the devil brings to Jesus, if we read how Jesus answers him, he doesn't say, well, I think this, or this is what I think should be, or how it should be. He says, it is written. He points to the word of God. And he uses it, For the foundation of how he responds to what the devil says. He uses it as the measuring stick of how to deal with what is brought before him. And I think it is very telling that we would do the same thing. The Bible, or not the Bible, but it is said, and we are encouraged to walk as Christ did. We see here in this case, when he is brought Temptation, he turns to the word of God. I say this so often and now I'm getting sidetracked even from what I was saying. But people say that. And, And to me, it is something that is sometimes, I think, can lead people in a slightly wrong direction. That statement that we are to walk as Christ did when he was here. We can read, because there is in especially the gospel messages laid out that period of his life, right from birth to death, most especially focused on his ministry and his death. We see and we know that he came to accomplish our salvation. He came to pay for our sin. He came to die on the cross. <clears throat> it is recorded that he healed people, he cured lepers, he gives sight to the blind, he, he um, healed infirmities, brought people back from death. If I look, if I say at my life, I don't see many of those things happening. I haven't cured anyone. If we read the word of God, we have to acknowledge that he paid for our sins. We cannot do anything to pay for the sin that we do or that we are. Our salvation, he accomplished it. And if we try to do anything in that stead, we are in reality taking away from what Christ has done so the question then could be asked how do we walk as Christ and I believe that the simple answer and yet it is very difficult for us as humans when we look at the life of Christ amazingly to our human abilities he was always within the will of God He walked according and in obedience to God's will. Even here when the devil comes to him, he turns to God's word. And I believe that each of us, we have a different walk. We have a different purpose here in this life. We are different individuals. God uses us each in different manners. And because someone walks this way, doesn't mean that we need to necessarily walk as they do. Yes, there are things that are universal. But as individuals, we have a different callings here. We have different people that we come in contact with. We have different personalities that we can deal with different things. But God knows that. He doesn't ask us to all be the same. He asks that we will be obedient to his will for each of us. Christ here now I'm jumping back a little bit. <clears throat> the devil comes to him with these temptations. And if we look at the answers that he gives, it comes from the Word of God. And as I started to say already, what strikes me so interesting is in these temptations that are recorded for us here and as I said already we could say they cover the gamut of temptation that faces mankind. Jesus used scripture that comes from two chapters of one book of the Bible. It's found in Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. We want to see the fullness of the love that God has for us. We can see how much more of his word he has given us that we can use to face what the devil would bring before us. And I would encourage us to know this word of God. It doesn't make us better Christians. It doesn't save us to know more of God's word. If we have faith, that is what saves us. But it gives us a foundation to stand on. If I say it it is the measuring stick that we can measure everything that we face and that is brought before us. We don't have to set up the rules. God has laid out the answers to questions. Speaking for myself, I know at times, sometimes it seems a little difficult to find the answer to certain questions, but if I look at it a little deeper, sometimes it's not that it's hard to find the answer, it's hard to live with the answer that he gives
0: me, because my
2: human nature wants to sidetrack, or I mean, bypass that, or do my own thing. You're to walk in obedience to it. I've said it this way, sometimes it isn't that we have to make a judgment. It tells us, this in the word of God, that we are to judge all things. And there's people that say, well, it's not good to judge because we're not supposed to judge. But if we read what it says here, it's actually just a, a little bit further on here in the next chapter, I believe. So it says, um, judge not that ye be judged, for with what judgment ye are judged, shall ye be judged. And with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. And people use that and say, there, you're not supposed to judge. But we're encouraged to judge everything. So it is, I would say, we use this word of God to make the judgment call. We can just give the verdict. And as a Christian, when we put our faith in Christ and put our trust that it is his blood that covers our sin and that we are free of those things by faith in what Christ has done. If we use this word of God to judge, we, the Bible tells us there we will be judged by this word of God. And as Christians and as believers, we can be comfortable being judged by this word of God. Because this word of God very clearly points out the sin that we are. It's true, we can accept that judgment. It's absolutely accurate. But it also points out that Jesus died to cover those sins. And his blood washes them away if we simply believe that. The Bible, Jesus (coughs) tells those ones that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees if you are to see the kingdom of heaven. We can't even recognize what it is unless we are more holy than they were and We don't really have scribes and Pharisees wandering around in our our world today, but we understand that they put their salvation in the fact that they were able to do. And and they lived, I'm sure, very good lives on the outward. But God is more concerned about the heart He's more concerned about that undying portion. And yes. It is something that. When the heart is right. When it is the spirit of God. That is dwelling in a person. And is directing their life. There is going to be an outward change also. It's going to happen. I've heard it put this way, and and this isn't my words, but it strikes me as being true, if I put it that way. This fellow said that if someone comes late, you're going to meet them, and they come late, and you say, well, you were supposed to be here 20 minutes ago, what happened? And they said, well, I was coming, but when I was crossing the highway... I got run over by a big truck and and so that's why I'm late. And he said if they don't have any marks on them, if they seem to be fine, something doesn't add up. If you get hit by a truck, there's going to be results there. He said if someone who's living in sin and claims that they've repented and come to Christ and there's nothing different about their lives, there looks like there's something not adding up. We understand how much bigger God is in his spirit than we are. And yes, our emotions, There, I think there are things where people try to stir emotions and, and claim that it is a spiritual experience. Yes, when the spirit moves, We as people, it can move our emotions. It can move us. Because we are so much less powerful. We are so weak. And we are so small compared to God. That when he moves, it moves a heart. When the spirit of God comes to dwell within a being, it changes. It changes the focus. As natural people... Even as Christians, it is easy for our focus to get turned and get distracted by things in this life. I'm not saying that there aren't things that are important in this life. But they are very trivial and short term compared to eternity. And if someone is not a Christian, their focus is on these things of this life. And how they act and where they put their priorities line up with that. But when the Spirit of God comes to dwell in a heart. And someone all of a sudden is being led not by their own reasoning but by what God would want them to do. As I said earlier, walking in obedience to the will of God. There's a change of focus. There's a change of what is important. And it shows in that life. Just prior to the text that I read, it is recorded that Jesus comes where John is baptizing and John baptizes him. And then it says, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Even just that fact is something I think as Christians to consider. Here is our Lord and Savior and yet God it isn't that he just let him be tempted by the devil but the Spirit led him to that place. We can turn to the end of these Gospels and remember Peter. And Jesus tells Peter that the devil was given leeway to, he says, to sift him as wheat. It isn't as Christians that we aren't going to face temptation and maybe great temptation. It's just how it is, and as much as I would like to balk that and wish it wasn't so, I would like the fact that if we became a Christian, all of a sudden we're protected, and the devil can't come with any temptation, and as nice as that would be, it probably wouldn't be all that useful, because... My human nature can come up with things. I've made the statement, and I don't know whether it's good, bad, right, or wrong, but I said I don't know that the devil that often has to work very hard on me. My own human nature can come up with enough things to cause me problems. So even if God... And we recognize in the Word of God, it speaks of places that God puts a hedge around his own, that the devil can't cross but at times he is allowed to and in this case even with his own son god allowed that we remember the story of job and job comes and he's even (coughs) speaking and god says "Have you considered my servant job and my human mind says what in the world why if I'm walking along and doing well, I don't want God pointing me out to the devil and saying, well, look at you. But God knew the heart of Job. And the devil said, well, I, you, I can't do anything to him. He's, you protect him. God says, well, you can, I'll allow you to do this much. And he allows him to do a little more. <clears throat> And we read in that story of job and it's something that i find quite interesting in there job says these words this is the 25th verse of the third chapter it says this is job speaking and it's just after all the trials have kind of come to a climax if i say that job says For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. We read in the, the first epistle of John, and it says, Perfect love casteth out fear. And I believe if we look deeply at those two things, we see that that is what God was doing there. What exactly... The fear that Job had probably encompasses quite a number of things, but it would put simply, I would say it was, would be that a great trial of his faith through what, how he had to live in this natural world was what he feared. <clears throat> God removed that fear by showing him it doesn't matter how great the trial is. I am with you. It doesn't matter how much the devil would come and try to steal away your faith. It is there. I am the one who gives it. It is a great comfort that we have as Christians. We can't produce faith. We can't produce faith in someone else. We can't produce faith in ourselves. Faith comes from God. This faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What is the word of God? It is Christ. The if we put it, I guess, this way, the triune God uses all of His resources to provide faith for us that, no matter what the devil would want to bring, it's there we're encouraged to believe. And we can read the end of that story of Job. God blessed him. And he blessed him richly. It says basically he doubled what he had. I think if we take that and look at the story of the men that were given the talents. The one that was given five talents. He had ten in the end. And I look at it this way: that a talent is a weight measure, and it is the weight of the importance that gospel message, the importance of faith upon a heart. And God uses the importance that we have of those, of that, and He uses it, and we put it out there. He didn't want it to be covered up. We are too. Use it and freely and put it so that people could see, because it's not ours in the beginning, it's from him. And what happens? It, in that case, it doubled also. There is blessing. When our faith is tried, if we turn to God, it is increased. And the fear that we would lose it is taken away because we see from experience that God is the one who gives it. God is the one who sustains it. And we can walk trusting that and trusting in Christ. It says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he wasn't hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. I find it an interesting thing here. Even in this temptation, we recognize that the devil is acknowledging that this really is the Son of God. It doesn't matter how hungry I am or any of you are. We have zero ability to turn a rock into a piece of bread. It's not a temptation because we can't do it. So we see that it wasn't the fact of turning the stone into the bread. The, the devil is trying to appeal to If you say his his pride a little bit, he knows it's the Son of God. It says it tells us in the Bible that those devils, they knew who Christ was. The devils knows who He is. It isn't that He has any question of whether Christ can turn this into this these stones into bread. He is trying to see. He's trying to undermine in a, if I say, an underhanded, sneaky way to get Christ to be disobedient to God. And if I say that is the essence of everything that the devil is trying to do, no matter what the temptation is, it is, it is focused in however direction or how subtly that we would be disobedient to God's will for us. The devil, he he is, as I said, just the fact that this could even be a temptation that Christ would do this shows that he has much more power than we have. We can't do that. But we see here, Christ, how he answers. He says, it is written. When we have a question about something, let's see what is written. I'm sure many of us, and hopefully all of us, have experienced that where there's perhaps something weighing on our heart. And maybe it's a big thing, maybe it's a small thing. It it doesn't really matter, but it's something that we have a question about, is troubling us, is worrying us. And I've experienced that, and I've sat and just opened the Word of God, and it's, there's the answer, right there. And I think we can be thankful for that. God knows our heart, and it. And it isn't necessarily right in the time when we would want it to happen. But it comes when it is needed. And we see, even at the end of this, and this is sort of jumping ahead, but it ties to this, when the devil leaves him, it says, the angels come and ministered unto him. Yes, there are things that happen. And if we can turn to the word of God, for answers. For direction. We, we will have those experiences too. Where the devil is, I say, shooed away.
0: And are uplifted.
2: And the message encourages us.
0: Jesus answered...
2: And said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If I look at this, I see that the devil is trying to tempt him with just worrying about this natural world. Just take care of the natural things and don't worry about the rest. And we see so many people trying to do that to the point where they just claim that... Well there's nothing beyond this, so we'll just live and, and when we die that's the end of things. We as Christians know it isn't so. And just knowing it isn't so, that's what God's word tells us. If we look into this word of God, we can, yes <coughs> excuse me. We can look in places and it tells us that our natural work, our natural lives, we are to enjoy it. We are to do to the best of our ability what we are, is placed in front of us, our jobs or whatever. But that isn't to be our focus. If we just had that much of the Word of God and focused on those things, we could forget about the rest. But the Word tells us that no, there is more. More than just this life. And things in this life that are more important than just the stuff that will end here. We are to look to that.
0: It says, And the devil
2: taketh him up <clears throat> into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time I dash thy foot against a stone. It's interesting where the devil takes him. Takes him to the holy city and puts him on the pinnacle of the temple. I believe that spiritually speaking this is taken to we know that the temple was the focus of where the law that was given was the center of it, if I say that. If I put it in my own terms, what I'm I'm saying is the devil is taking him to the peak of self-righteousness. Our ability to be good by doing what the law says. We see it in the world, whether it's Even outside of people who are doing what the Bible says, people come up with all sorts of ideas of what is good and right and the best way to live, and that makes you a better person. We look at the whole Muslim religion, and it's based upon that. You just be good enough and make yourself, and, and that will outweigh the bad that you may have, and that's the way to heaven. It's a temptation that the devil brings to people. And we see it in the world around us. There's those who just want to focus on the natural and just completely ignore that there could be anything beyond. Then there's those who, they will acknowledge that there is something past this life and I'm going to be good enough to achieve it. Or achieve heaven when I die. The devil is quick to bring those things. But the devil says to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. We see here that he even uses the word of God. And I believe it tells us that those ones who are living in self-righteousness, it isn't that they're living contrary to what the word of God says most of the time. They're living upright and moral lives. But it's not enough. The devil's saying, even if you fall down, the Word of God says that His angels will take care of you. If you, this is my terms, but if you can live good enough and look good enough and walk According to the word of God, even if you fall down, the word of God tells you that you'll still be okay. And this is a quote directly from the Bible. The devil isn't afraid to use the word of God. Oftentimes he will put a slight twist on it. He doesn't in this case, but in many cases where it's recorded, he'll put a little twist to it. And I think there's another thing that of why it's important to know what the Word of God says. We see people who come and they quote supposedly the Word of God, but there's a slight change. I remember an example. I was at something, and this person we're I don't know what exactly we're talking about, something about money, but he or somebody being rich or something. He said. Well, it it says in the Bible that money is the root of all evil. And it says close to that, and money causes problems. But the word of God actually says, the love of money is the root of all evil. It isn't the money itself. Money is an inanimate, inanimate object. But the love of it speaks to the heart that's dealing with it. We need to know what God's will says. And it is why we are encouraged to look into it. That we would have that truth that we can turn to. <clears throat> we see once again what, how Jesus deals with this temptation. He says, it is written, The same answer. And we have every privilege in the world of using that same answer for ourselves. It's, to me, an example of our ability to walk as Christ did. We have the privilege of using this word to answer those temptations. It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, Yes, it isn't that there is untruth in what the devil was saying. But there is a difference between doing something to try to provoke God to give a response. Then when we fail, he uplifts us and cares for us. And yes, we have trials in this life. The Bible tells us that It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. There's going to be trials. But as Christians, we have that privilege, that comfort, that understanding that we don't have to face them alone. We have this word. We have that spirit of God. We have our fellow Christians that also have that spirit of God. That we can turn to, that we can speak with, that we can share with, that we can talk with, that we can comfort each other. What a privilege that we need to be thankful for. <clears throat> Jesus answered, It is written says, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things I will give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. You see this temptation lived out in the world around us also. Where a person's focus is on achieving the pinnacle Of natural whatever it is. Power, fame, riches. That's what the devil is bringing. The temptation that we would be focused on being the best. And and achieve the most of whatever in this natural life. And we can look at any number of people. And we see that. And I'm sure we can see even with our in ourselves, there is a temptation. I'm um, all of these things we don't have to look at other people, we can see them in ourselves. There's a temptation to go down any of these paths.
0: May the Word of God be there for us as
2: Christ, that we would use it as Christ did here to counter these temptations of the devil the devil offers these things it's interesting that he has and it's a question that I don't know that I have the answer to exactly how much power he has actually to to fulfill his promise here but with Christ it isn't And with us, it isn't any different. It isn't in the achieving them. It's in being disobedient to God's word. He is trying to undermine obedience to God. He says he will give all these things if thou wilt fall down and worship me is to take and change what it is that we put of most value and what is most important in our life. And that, no matter what someone may say, is what we worship. It is the thing that is most important to us that we would give up all other things. I remember dealing a number of years ago with a fellow who was trying to come off drugs. And we talked and he shared and I found it very enlightening and interesting that he would share how his mind worked when he was on drugs. And and it struck me one day that the devil had brought that and it had become what he worshipped and it was, in reality, idol worship because it took everything from him that God wanted To be his. It took his morality. It took his honesty. It took everything. It took. That became the most important thing in his life. By far. And it's just another ruse of the devil. We see here. That Jesus. And, and when it says the same yesterday today and forever that speaking of God but Christ is the same he says for it is written but he also adds this he says get thee hence Satan in James we can turn there and there's one place I think I can turn to it is the fourth chapter of James. It says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he hath said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. If we resist the devil, he flees. And I think we have the same ability as... Christ say to tell him, get out of here. And draw to God. And when we turn to this word of God and use it, use it to make our judgment calls. Use it for our encouragement. We're drawing nigh to God and it's a promise. He will draw nigh to us. He will come nearer to us. And the devil will flee. And that is a wonderful thing. Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We recognize that this is basically the essence of the commandments. That we would worship the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength. We don't worship anything else. We don't worship the devil. We don't worship natural things. We are to worship idols. In the world that we live here in North America, we don't see a lot of actual idol worship as when I was in India, there were everywhere. But there's a lot of idols, trust me. Even as I said, drugs. It becomes the idol that people worship because that is what their focus is on. We are to worship God with our complete being. And when we do that, we can say to the devil, go away. And sometimes, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be in our timing exactly. God allows him to, (coughs) I'm sure if we look at Job, the devil was allowed to if so I say toy with him a lot longer than jo- Job would have liked it to happen, but God was with him to the very. End. We see here that the devil is allowed three times to come in this and work on Christ, but God is there to the end. Why? Because he was obedient. He turned to the Word of God. We have that same privilege as Job or as Christ. Did. We have this word of God. We are to read it. It strengthens our faith. It gives us a, <coughs> excuse me, a foundation to base everything on. We can put our trust in it. We can use it to direct our life. And it shows that. In James there, it says, faith without works is dead. And we can look at that a number of different ways. But when we put our faith in Christ, our walk and what we do is going to show forth what Christ has done for us. That we trust that he died for me. That we trust that his blood was shed for us. That our sins are paid for. Those works show forth. Why? Because we take advantage of that faith that God provides. It says here, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. What a blessed place to be. I think many times when we read about angels in the Bible, it is speaking of a message. They are often messengers. They bring a message from God to man. They bring to a heart what it is that God would want for them. And so often when we turn to this word of God, there is a message there that brings peace and uplifts us.
0: It's
2: how God works. And that spirit can bring that word and make it live and encourage us. I pray that we would walk by faith in obedience to the will of God. And trust that no matter what trial may be allowed to befall us. God is there. His spirit is there. And he can sustain that faith. We can trust in it. Our feelings go up and down. Some days God feels close. Some days he feels like he's far away. God doesn't change. But we have that faith. And it continues. Let us trust in it. And put our faith in what Christ has done for each of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> shall we humble our hearts in the benediction may the lord bless thee and keep thee may the lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee
0: may the lord lift up his
2: countenance upon thee and give thee peace in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost Amen. i'll just mention two things um, one is the collection today is for the foreign mission and the other is that is maybe most of us have heard Timothy Timothy's daughter Tina passed away last week and her funeral will be on the 10th which is Saturday at 2.30 at the Sylvan funeral home well that's they're going to have a viewing and then a funeral so you will be able to view and then there'll be the funeral it starts at 2.30 on the 10th so want as well
0: (coughs) somebody has a problem with people Fourteen. Four fourteen.